Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join your hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Dr. Karen. Thanks for joining us today. We have a really fun show for you guys. We are celebrating our 100 first episodes of the Think Orphan podcast. So Phil and I are just going to kind of wrap back and forth and share with you guys some of our favorite um, aspects of the first 100 episodes. And yeah, so Phil, how are you? How's your day going, man? It's going well. It's going well. I'm, I I can't be more excited. I can't be more excited about uh, the fact that we've had a hundred episodes. And as I, I've said on social media, as I've talked to people about it, the thing that just really excites me is how, you know, how great the episodes were. And I, I don't say that because you and I and our our you know dialoguing back and forth. I don't say that because of the you know, interviewing skills, whatever that we've been able to bring to the table, which started out pretty, uh, sketchy if you ask me. (laughs) Um, but I say it because the guests have brought so much amazing content. And I think anyone who's listened to more than a few episodes or even one episode will agree with that, that these people that we've been able to get, that people that have said yes to our request, which is most people we've asked, um, have just brought so much great content, so many great great things to learn from, um, that I have become such a better person and such, a you know, more, you know, better informed advocate for the orphan and the vulnerable. Um, I have learned so much about the interconnectedness and I, you know, I knew a decent amount of that before, but the interconnectedness of all these issues. So yeah, it's been so, um, it's just been exciting to be a part of, you know, no, looking back a couple of years ago when we started and, and, you know, you were a guest in the first season, but just Kelly guess, Stewart, yeah, yeah, Kelly Stewart, who, you know, Kelly, if you're listening, shout out to hey, you, that Kelly. you such a great job the first couple seasons. And now you're doing, uh, you know, missions work and mission as a missions pastor at a church and, you know, have done so many great things since being on the show as well. Um, that I know you learned a ton from it and we learned from, from your insights there, uh, in season one and then, you know, just kind of going from there, but we didn't know if anyone was going to listen at the beginning. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I just want to hear from you, just your general thoughts over the first hundred episodes. And then I want to share after that, just some, some of the exciting numbers and, and, uh, stats that we have on the, on the first hundred. So Karen, just kind of, what, what are your just, just general overall kind of forest thoughts of, of the first hundred? Yeah, the podcast has been more than uh, impressive for me, not only having the opportunity and privilege to be a small part of it, but even, you know, listening when, um, when I was just a listener and hearing so many similar themes, Phil, so many people from literally all across the country and all across, all across the globe. So many of us who have such similar hearts and minds related to how can we best care for children whose stories are different? How can we best care for orphaned and vulnerable children and being blown away by the opportunity to be a part of it and then to um, be on the podcast and as a guest and then just to learn like you were saying and, and hearing so much continuing themes throughout 
the whole trajectory of the podcast, some of my favorite things that for me I've learned um, and I've just been reminded of is, um, and maybe this is going to sound a little funny, (laughs) I need to be reminded of humility. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just an ongoing theme, especially when we're talking to such rock stars who have been a part of our podcast and who Mm -hmm. are literally killing it in the field or killing it. in political spheres or in the medical world or killing it as adoptive and foster parents. Um, But the humility theme just constantly came up of being willing to want to learn more, being willing to understand that we are not the expert, that we are not always the expert, especially when we're working and serving in other countries. Um, and yeah, and just those themes of overarching desire to learn more and a willingness to learn more. And so as I think about the hundred first hundred episodes, Phil, that's, that's a big theme that, um, pops out for me is just a willingness to learn, which I think might even encompass like a big part of the whole podcast of even why people are tuning mm-hmm. in, um, of being willing to, to learn from others. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that. You know, the other, the other thing that I get excited about is just the relationships that have been built because of the podcast. Like, I mean, I know, and I, I've, I've mentioned this guy, he was episode 98, Jafat Chufamba. He's become a really good friend. And that is 100% because this podcast happened. And he reached out, I say 100%, I don't know, God may have brought us together some other way. However, because of this podcast, we were brought together and I'm so thankful for that. And I know there's many other people who have contacted me and, and have gotten in touch with you just because they've, they've heard of, of different things on the podcast and maybe it was just the podcast that ins- incited them to reach out. But I, I just encourage you folks out there listening to, to reach out to, to me and Karen and any of the guests as well. If, if you have something that really, you know, you think you can collaborate, you think you can work with us in some way, reach out and maybe that we do and we do work together in some way, maybe that we don't. But, you know, there will, it won't be a waste of time for us to connect in some way and encourage each other at the very least. Um, so I, I want to share right now some of the, some of the exciting numbers that, that Paul, and I, I want to thank Paul again for all he does to make this show sound really good and to, to uh, get it out to all the different, uh, you know, different places that you guys are listening to the podcast on and, and, uh, and that's Paul Blackman and he is, he's just a master of audio, uh, recording, you know, all the editing and things that goes on behind the scenes. So thank you, Paul. He also gave me all these stats. So, uh, as you know, we've had a hundred episodes. Um, this is now one one So I guess we've had 101 episodes as you're listening. Um, nine of those were recast, so I don't want people to think, oh, you're cheating. <laughs> we actually had 91 new, uh, new, uh, episodes and, uh, and nine recasts, which we wanted to share cause they were so good the first time. And, uh, we have had 50, about 58,000 downloads. Uh, the most downloaded episodes were Troy Livesay and Delia Pop. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, and what talking about your humility theme, those are two of the most humble people I think we've had on the show. And they, you know, I can say those names because I know their heads won't grow and expand because of them being the most downloaded. Um, and they were, they were fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, it's like asking which are, you know, your favorite movie. It's like, that's such an unfair, uh, such an unfair question. And I think that to pick out the favorite 
episodes is, is a really hard one too. Um, but, uh, you know, those were two of my favorite, you know, of my top 100, they were two of my top 100 episodes. Um, so, and then the, the, uh, largest audiences outside of the U S Paraguay, who would have thought right. Canada and Mexico. So if you're, if your country is not on that, get on it, start pumping it to people, you know, get it out there more. We are in 102 countries. Um, some notable countries out there. If you're listening from these places, you know, shout out to you, Burundi, Jordan, Curacao, Kyrgyzstan, and Togo. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, I, I also want to throw out Zimbabwe cause Jay fought, I know you're listening. And, um, the most uh, most downloads on a single day was May 15th of 2008. I kind of want to go back and see what was going on May 15th, 2008. That was just a little bit ago. Um, and it was 229 downloads that day. And the thing I get excited about is with 58,000 downloads, you know, that's not 58,000 people necessarily, but those are 58,000 times that God is, is giving people an opportunity to multiply what someone is sharing. And that's just so cool to think about that if someone listens to this and impacts a hundred other people, 58,000, you know, let's say even 10,000 of those are new listeners and you know, who knows what that number is. But, uh, if you multiply that even 10 people, you know, 10,000 is a hundred thousand people that lives that are being impacted. And I know the numbers are much higher than that. So it's really exciting to, to, to see that. So, you know, uh, Karen, going back to the themes, we talked about humility and I agree with that. And, and, uh, it's just something that I, even in the conversation I had with Rick, uh, Morton in, in episode 99, um, we talked about that, that so many of these things we're talking about come back to just, you know, just be humble in your conversations, be humble when you go on a short term missions trip to not think that you're the savior, to be humble, to, to think about when Brian Ficker was talking about that, that, you know, that's another guy that has written one of the most, you know, he, he wrote the most recommended book on the think orphan podcast. And I know that's his, his most, he's most proud of that accolade oh, totally. over all the other things. It's gotta be. <laughs> um, but, uh, that book has had so many, uh, books sold. But when he gets on and I said, you're the most recommended, he said, oh, I'm not deserving of that. I don't deserve that. You know, the guy is, is true. And he does, he's not, it's not false humility. The guy is humble and he knows his source. Kent Anon is another one who told us so much about missions and the things that work he is doing. The man is just so humble. Talking to Rick Morton as he's talking about, I'm just a guy with the Bible. And he means it. I mean, that's just what he's doing. He's just trying to figure it out together. When we're talking about race with propaganda, and just hear his humility as he's saying, you know, man, I'm trying to figure all this out and it's hard, but let's do it together. Mike Doris, the guy's been doing this stuff for decades, you know, and he comes in just like, I'm learning right alongside everybody else. You know, the list goes on, but uh, Tom Lukasik, Phil Tuttle, these guys who are doing such great work. And when you talk with them, they're just like, I'm, I'm just a beginner. I'm a novice when we're talking about these difficult issues. So that's something that I think that lifelong learning is so critical. So what's something else besides, you know, besides the humility, which I think, you know, kind of goes without saying the other's focus, the selflessness that we're hearing from pretty much every guest that, I, that we interviewed, at least I can't remember one that came across as not, uh, humble in their approach to what they're doing. But what, what are some other themes that, uh, you, you, uh, took away from the, the first hundred? Well, I think you probably know for sure the trauma-informed, trauma-based care. That's definitely 
um, a theme that I just get really excited about when any of our guests reference the importance of understanding trauma, the importance of incorporating trauma-informed care when working with children and teenagers and families who have experienced difficulties. It's it's so refreshing to know that it's catching on, that the, the ideas and the understanding that when difficult things happen to us, it does impact us. It impacts us in those moments, and it can have long-standing impacts, not only on the way that our brain develops and the way that we experience other similar situations, but really the way that we interact in relationships. And so especially when we had so many guests, um, I'm thinking particularly of the Refugee Crisis Series, Phil, when Mm -hmm. so many of our guests were just hitting it out of the park, just talking about the importance of helping kiddos and teenagers and families to, to understand what they have been through and, and how important it is to not just focus on physical survival, but that families, children, teenagers have to thrive in their spiritual development, in their mental health, and how incorporating such important factors of culture with refugees, of play with children, and helping them to express themselves. And so I I had to go there. I've got to talk trauma-informed care, Phil. That's definitely just a theme that was peppered throughout the podcast in the first hundred episodes. And I I don't think you would have had it any other way, just knowing um, your stance and knowing how important um, collaboration in general, not just with people, but also with different fields. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. And I think that you were one of the, one of the interviews that, that hit that hard as well. I mean, the refugee crisis, yes. Also, you know, one that was not expected necessarily. I mean, I expected it, but a lot of people may not have, but Victor Marks, Mm -hmm. when he was talking about it. Um, and then I think the first three, the first two seasons were just chock full of it with you and Tara Vanderwood and Mandy Mandy Howard. Howard. Yep. And, you know, John Bergeron. And I'm excited because, Mandy, I talked with her about getting her on again and having you and her have a conversation. Uh, yes. Um, and, you know, as much as I, I would love to do that interview, I just I really want to hear you two get in a room and get your heads together and how much that will help people. So that's that's coming hopefully soon. Um, you know, and then Jason Kovacs talking about it as well and the work that he's doing in Austin Stone with John Bergeron. And then episode 100 with Kurt Thompson. You yes. know, that was such a, such a fantastic. I mean, I'm still just like, man, that was so good. I was so excited. Just listened to it again the other day. And on that one, you know, hearing somebody, you know, please do this. I'll tell you what, it made my month. And I, I sent Karen the, the video as well. And, uh, a woman, you know, and you know who you are. It's actually, as she described herself, the crazy, the crazy woman in Zimbabwe who, who impacted Jay Fachi Bamba's, uh, thinking on all of orphan care. She's, you know, I, I told her, you know, she just, she, you know, she could be called a lot worse, <laughs> but, uh, but she sent Karen a video just of, you know, the impact that Kurt Thompson's interview had on her and how she had to stop when she was in tears and, and man, it, to, to hear that, to see that. And it was a video that was so cool to just shoot yeah, a little video. Total, total a impromptu, right? It seemed impromptu. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And she was just in her car and she's like, I had to stop my car. Uh, I had to stay in my car when I got to work and, and listen to the end of the episode and, and I was crying. And then she just really just took a minute to send us a video. And I'll tell you what, like I said, I mean, and I'm not just saying this. It's so I showed my wife and she was, you know, in, almost in tears and, just saying, wow, I'm really proud of you. 
that's awesome. And that made my month too, you know? And well, and it, and it was impromptu. So. And I think we, we can't not say shout out, big shout out to Pam Parrish, right? Like that was total yes. impromptu, even with that interview. Yes. And it was such a good interview. She did such a great job. Absolutely. And I've told so many people that story that Pam made the interview. And, she did. You know, I mean, I mean you're, you're great, Phil, phenomenal. but she made the interview. <laughs> no, right. Because, you know, it was, it was so real and so raw and, and, you know, and it just, she asked the question, right questions at the right time. And that's what's so cool about this again is God's hand on this is so clear. The fact that Pam walked out, right, right walked up right when she did at that time, um, you know, God knowing that he wanted her on that interview for specific reasons. And, and I, yeah, she was, it was fantastic. I think she asked two or three questions, but they were incredible, you know, drew out exactly what, you know, I know we were all supposed to be hearing from, from Kurt. So yeah, no, the, the trauma informed care and I, and you're, you know, I don't, you know, want to not talk about the little mini episodes we did as well in the the refugee crisis that you were able to do specific things that if you didn't listen to them, folks, listen to those. They're just little nuggets of information that were so helpful. So, um, and on that note, as we're kind of in the, you know, in the middle of, of this episode, I don't know if we're in the middle or further on, cause we don't, it's not scripted. So we're going to, we're going to be, you know, could go a while longer, but I want to encourage you all out there to let us know what worked in the first hundred, you know, did the mini episodes, do you want more of those? Did, you know, the, the conversation, like the one I had with Rick Morton, the, uh, you know, guest co-hosting, um, different things like that, you know, or those things that, that you want more of, um, the thoughts from the field, all these things that we've done and tried and, you know, we've kept some and we've, we've kind of just, a lot of that is based on what we're hearing from you or not hearing from you out there as you're listening. And as you say, man, that was really good. I wish you had more of this or I wish you did, you know, you know what, that thing you tried, it didn't really work. You know, let us know we're, we're pretty thick skinned. We can, we can take it and we want to hear it. Um, we want the feedback and it, it really shows that you're engaging and you know what it, it, it really helps us and it encourages us even just hearing that you're, um, that you're engaging at some level. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the other, uh, one of the other things that I was, you know, really, uh, encouraged by and also challenged by in a lot of ways was the conversations that were, you know, not necessarily using this terminology. Jeff Sandifer used this exact terminology as far as disruptive thinking, the disruptive education, you know, that he is working on. But to think of other people like Victor Marx, who's doing disruptive ministry all over the world, Michael Miller on disruptive poverty, part of poverty alleviation, um, Chris Kandaya and the work he's doing, Craig Greenfield and Ian Forber Pratt in India with foster care and Ruslan Malusha and World Without Orphans. I mean, I could go on and on with different people doing different things, but um, that idea of disruptive, innovative thinking that, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what'd you think about the, that, that concept? And, you know, when Jeff was talking about, it, I know what you thought about Jeff, but just as far as going over the, the first hundred and thinking about all the people doing disruptive work, um, and not a, like a negative disruptive, but a positive, like, you know, not just accepting the status quo on how it's being done, but to say, how can we do it better? And what does that look like? You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely with Jeff Sandifer, he was, um, an asterisk on my notes as I was preparing this morning. Um, I didn't necessarily remember that that was the terminology that he used, but I think that when we have 
those concepts that are disruptive in nature um, in a positive way, it's almost highlighting the need for diversity of thought. Um, so often in multiple settings, whether it's education or even clinical work or, I mean, the reality, even like caring for children who don't have homes, we can just get stuck in um, a pattern. We can get stuck in the status quo. And uh, when we're willing to think outside of the box, when we're willing to have diversity of thought, it's just going to encourage it's going to encourage change and it's going to encourage hopefully innovation and not just survival, but kiddos who are thriving in education, kiddos, teenagers, families who are thriving as their hearts and minds um, become healthier and more connected and relationships get healthier. So I, I love that idea. I think anytime that we can have diversity of thought, then it's probably going to lead to innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Kurt Thompson, going back to Kurt, where he talked about that, right? The, the yes. most amazing, innovative work comes from working with people you're most different from. And what does that look like? And, you know, and, you know, it, it's messy and it's hard and it's difficult in so many different ways. But that great, amazing stuff comes out of just, you know, working with those people who are going to challenge your thinking, who are going to challenge you to think better and bigger. And I think that goes back to the conversation we had with Andy Crouch back in season one, where he talked about flourishing and you need both the, you know, risk taking, you need authority and vulnerability together. And you need to take that meaningful risk and you need to have the power to make meaningful uh, work and meaningful decisions and those things coming together. But that risk that, that, you know, taking that, that risk to go into those difficult relationships and difficult settings and situations, that's when you're really going to come out with some amazing, amazing work. But again, going with the humility, going in with the, the understanding of, right. especially when working with orphan and vulnerable children, the, the trauma-based care, the trauma that these kids have experienced. To get, that's what I love too, is the interconnectedness of all these different things that, that we've talked about so much on the show. Um, and intentionality, which I think is another theme, you know, right? Like I think Michael Miller on his poverty alleviation stuff and the Poverty Inc. conversations, Jed Medefend, as he, you know, kicked off the interviews with his conversations about advocacy and how we can do that in different the stages of advocacy and being intentional about moving forward to uh, commitment amongst complexity, as he talked about in his interview. You know, these are, these are things to think about. You know, the Rebecca Nepp, Todd Guckenberger conversation, they're very intentional, but they're also, you know, thinking about how can we do this, um, you know, in ways that are, you know, not just accepting the status quo, right? So those are, those are definitely, um, uh, that was definitely a theme that really stuck out for me. And I encourage you folks to go back to those interviews that I referenced and, and just be here listening for that as you, you know, if you haven't made it through all the episodes, then you have that in store. You can, you can do that while you're listening. But, um, if you have, I, I, you know, encourage you to go back to some of those and listen to them again. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anything else on that, Karen? Yeah. I think with intentionality, another theme that is peppered in throughout the podcast is the intentionality with which we uh, are aware of the need for our own self-care and the intentionality with which we are willing to ferociously practice self-care. And so you've heard that from um, the little segments that I've done and then my longer podcast. And I think that I hope this is the right person and please correct me, Phil, if I'm wrong, but I think it might have been Peter Greer at some point talking about um, practicing self-care 
um, just in being super busy. And I could be wrong about that. But anyway, the intentionality with which um, we're not going to be doing great work if we are not taking care of ourselves. And um, Bethany Williams referenced that too um, in a recent interview that we did of just being willing as a clinician even to work through our junk before we start trying to help kiddos who are experiencing trauma or have a history of trauma. And so intentionality with which we take care of ourselves, the intentionality with which we um, provide member care and even incorporate member care into organizations, into communities, into ministries. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was Peter Greer, Peter Greer and he, it was a second interview. Uh, Karen is rejoicing right now. If you could see her, she is, <laughs> yes. she's, ha- she's very proud of herself that she got it right. And, and you did. Uh, Peter was, was definitely in his second interview. Um, he wrote spiritual danger of doing good, which talks about that. He also wrote 4040 vision, um, which, which covers that in there as well. And and that's something that's very important to Peter is very important to Karen as well. It's very important to me. Um, Paul David Tripp also talked about that. Um, as did many of our other guests, but I think, uh, Peter was the one that I specifically had an episode with him about self care because I know I respect him in that area very much. And I know he's written some stuff on it as well. So, um, one of the other areas I want to talk about that I know was, was, you know, obviously with so many of our interviewers, but I think some specific episodes that talked about the importance of fathers mm-hmm. and just parenting advice in, in, in general, you know, like specifically talking about parenting advice. I think Mark and Jan Foreman talked yeah. about that in their second, uh, the second part of their, their interview. The first was in the refugee crisis series and then Paul David Tripp as well. But then, uh, Dwight Taylor and John Sowers and Sharon Ford mm-hmm. talk specifically about the importance of fathers in children's lives. And, and I think that's something that does often get overlooked in our, in our societies and, in, you know, is the importance of fathers because there's such a void in so many different cultures of good, healthy fathers. Um, but it's something I think we need to really focus on as we're as we're really, you know, caring for these orphaned and vulnerable, vulnerable children is how can we have good models of fatherhood in their lives? What does that look like? Um, you know, and I think that obviously the general parenting advice as well, one of the things that Paul David Tripp talked about was the, the uh, ambassador role rather mm-hmm. than owner role when, when we're parenting our children, mm-hmm. how important that distinction is to make and to understand and to really know and, and act that out in our relationships with our children. So, you know, those are just some, uh, you know, obviously all of this episode is just, just kind of giving you little Little to to go back and listen to, right. You know, we can't go into each of these episodes, but just to, to remind you to, Hey, go back and listen to some of these. That's the beauty of this. They're all, they're all there for your listening pleasure for free as you can (laughs) go back and download them. And, uh, and I, and I hope that you do. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I know that those are, those are very important topics yes, to you as well. Yes. I don't think we can talk about the importance of fathers without a shout out to your boy in Seattle, right? Andrew Schneidler. Yes. He has a yes. whole, like, isn't it like a retreat for adoptive dads and foster dads yep. to, to get away? Absolutely. I really, really appreciated and uh, liked that part of his podcast where he's like, uh, some of these conferences have a tendency for to be kind of catered towards women. And, you know, honestly, from a clinical perspective in my office, a lot of times it is moms that are a little bit more in tune with trauma-informed literature and trauma-informed parenting strategies and the importance of taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of our kiddos. So I think that's a huge 
wildly important area um, of just helping dads to understand their role um, in general, but also especially also with kiddos um, who've joined families through foster care and adoption. And you know that you aren't going to make it through an episode without me talking about Dr. Dan Siegel. And so anytime we're talking Mm -hmm. parenting, you guys have heard me again and again and again reference and implore Um, anyone working with kiddos, but especially uh, providing care for children, parenting children, and especially kids who have a history of trauma, abuse, or neglect. Um, He has just such phenomenal resources related to parenting. You you can't go wrong with any of his resources. Uh, Brainstorm, the Yes Brain, No Drama Discipline, uh, Whole Brain Child, um, so many, anything that he's written, dive into. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. I haven't read all of his stuff, but uh, you know, I take Karen's recommendation uh, quite seriously. Very seriously, <laughs> very, very seriously. And hopefully, one day, uh, Dr. Dan Siegel will be on our show. Hopefully, Dr. Dan Siegel, come on. Yeah, if you're listening, or if you're out there, know him. You know, definitely hook us up. Uh, Karen uh, is really wanting to do that interview, and hopefully, we'll get it done sooner than later. Um, and uh, you know, the the other the other. Uh, one of the other things that we've done and we've, we've really tried to do intentionally, um, or we've done intentionally, not tried to do intentionally, we did it intentionally, hopefully it worked, is to emphasize the interconnectedness of all these issues that we're talking about. Emphasize that we can't do them in silos. Emphasize that, you know, if you're doing anti-trafficking work out there, it's, it is interconnected and you need to understand all these other issues we're talking about. If we can do family preservation and family strengthening well, it will combat trafficking. It will help, you know, reduce the need for, you know, mentors um, in children's lives, you know. Not that relationships with the other adults outside of parents isn't critical. It absolutely is critical in people's lives. But, you know, to, to be repairing children who are broken, a lot of less need for that if we strengthen families when the kids are young. Um, you know, to see how that is done. But we also, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, I talk about the, the interviews, you know, with Stacey Harris and Ashley Bryant and Krista Sharp on the trafficking, you know, anti-trafficking work. And I'm probably missing people as I talk about these different things. But Sharon Ford and and Jason Weber and Johnson Moore talking about foster mm-hmm. care in particular. You know, those guys, you know, there's some other there's some other topics that we had, but also stories of redemption that we had, you know, with the Thomas family, you know, with Ruth right. and, and um, Vanita and, and Sandeep and Russell Breton and, and his story um, about, you know, how he was a, a foster youth, you know, with his mom coming back. And, you know, that story was so powerful. Deanna Prakodko and her story. Um, and now she's living here in the U.S. and advocating for um, for orphan and vulnerable children. You know, with, with her childhood that was full of brokenness. And so these are these are stories that we had and, and different people that we had on to highlight the specific issues. But knowing that all these issues, you know, are interconnected with each other. And so, you know, what what does that invoke in you as I just kind of go through those those topics and those things that we had on the show, Karen? I think that. To be quite honest, I was just feeling very overwhelmed of, wow, like there's been such a phenomenal representation of leaders around the world on this podcast. And I know we've said that and we say it, oh, we've got a great show for you today and just kind of becomes routine. But just hearing you rattle off for the last, whatever, 30 minutes of all of the people that have been a part of this project, um, yeah, it's, it's really amazing to... 
um, be able to learn from so many different people, not only to learn though, but to have that connectedness and that collaboration of knowing that even though a lot of us are doing very different things, um, it's connected and it's just a really, I don't know, hope filled feeling that I've been having. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I went back and prepped for this and listened to several episodes. Yeah. I listened to all the highlight episodes, um, which if you haven't listened to all the episodes, go back and listen to the first couple season highlight show. And we did a season three or I guess kind of a best of 2017 show that wasn't so much the best as much as the most downloaded episodes, top 10 downloaded episodes and talked about those and had little clips from each of those that, that gives you a good cross-section of, of the amazing people we've had on the show but it just like you said it was it was overwhelming it was this it was this rush of wow this has been an amazing journey and it's just the beginning as I see it you know I think that I'm learning so much more about the great work that is going on around the world about how much we all need to learn and every one of these interviews is just the tip of the iceberg with these people I could interview each one of these people 12 times, 100 times, and there would be right. more information from them. And I know the people I've interviewed that haven't been released yet, that you've interviewed that haven't yes, been released I'm yet. Yes, I'm so excited. You know, and I can't wait to share those with people. As I finish these things, I'm like, man, when can we get this out? Can we get this out next week? Oh, we got to wait. We got to wait. And then, I, you know, and I have about 10 interviews on tap over the next month or two and or more, you know, in different series that I know are coming up. And I, you know, want to share all these things with you folks out there, but I also know that, you know, I wanted to to come out at the right time and we don't know when exactly things are coming out because of different things that come up. So, but there's so much cool stuff and, you know, and, and even talking about the importance of civil discourse as we have so much vitriol, right? We had Russell Moore and Gabe Lyons talking about those topics that I didn't want to just assume that if we get this great information, everything will be changing because the fact of the matter is we need to converse with people we disagree with. If we're going to move forward, we need to not only converse with them, we need to work with them and we need to find common ground. You know, and I go back, I've talked about this before, but one of my best friends does mediation in the Middle East. And, you know, I said, how in the world do you do that? And I've said this before and I'll say it again. He said, we start with where they agree, what they agree on. And we go from there. Because if you start with what you agree on, then you start with the point of, okay, we do have things in common. And if we have things in common, maybe even things we disagree on, we can work through. Whereas if you start with what you disagree on, you're going to, you know, if you, and you start out as quote unquote enemies and you start with what you disagree on, all you're going to do is fight. And, you know, and that's where even if you have kids, you know, the kids often will focus on what they disagree on or what's not fair, quote unquote, which is, you know, and as I even say that, I'll bet you half of you out there just kind of cringed and had all these negative emotions go through you when I said it's not fair. Um, but, uh, because I think that that's something that our kids just say as a knee jerk reaction sometimes when, if we just say, Hey guys, you know, let's start with, what do we agree on? What do we, what do we love about each other? What can we, um, encourage each other with? Um, you know, I'm not saying it will solve all of our familial issues. I wish it were that simple, but I think it'll help. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it'll help in our work together with others. Um, because too often we focus on what we disagree on and, and that does not go very far. Um, if you start with what you agree on, the chances are you'll be able to disagree and still walk away as friends and still walk away loving each other. Um, so that's, uh, you know, bonus coverage there, a little free advice, whether, you know, take it for what it's worth. Karen, from your, you know, clinical psychology perspective, am I, am I on, on track? Yeah, man, it sounded kind of like you were doing a little intro to family therapy 101. 
fantastic. Nice done. That was Nicely done. That was the hope. It's it's osmosis. It's <laughs> osmosis. So thank you. I'll thank you for that. Um, so anyway, what what do we, you know? I, I want to kind of wrap it up here, but uh, you know what what have I forgotten about the first hundred? What what do you want to share, or you know, not necessarily forgotten, but what 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 do you kind of want to leave our audience with as we're as we're you know remembering and just kind of reminiscing on the on the first hundred episodes of the show? Hopefully, the first hundred of many. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that thinking of themes and I think we've covered a lot of the, the big themes, but, you know, so often throughout the interviews that you were able to do and other people were able to do, Phil, there is just this undergirding theme of resiliency and not only with kiddos and kids who've been without families and who are living in institutions or um, kids who've experienced trafficking, kids who've experienced trauma, abuse, and neglect. But I would even say resiliency within some of the leaders that we've been able to interview, some of the executive directors, the founders of organizations, um, just a resiliency of knowing, okay, God's called me to this and he's placed a burden upon my heart and my mind and, and I'm going to follow through. Um, and I'm going to do my best in those things. And there's that confidence and, um, the competence that tend to go with resiliency. And I think that that's a theme that we can't overlook as well. Not only the resiliency, which is so needed and so um, important when kiddos have experienced trauma, we've got to foster that resiliency. But I would say even the resiliency within the people that are working in this field. So kind of a meta theme, if you will. Hmm. No, that's good. That's really good. And, and I, I, uh, Will I have said this and I'll say it again now is I'm just so encouraged and inspired by the people who have been on the show. They're all, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, like they're all the real deal. I mean, you, you got these people that people have asked me, how'd you get them on the show? How'd you get them on this? How'd you get, it's like I asked them, you know, and they want to help that, you know, and several of them said, if you believe it will help your audience. Not thinking, how is this going to help my career? How is this going to help get me out there more? Not, will this help my book sales or will this help my whatever? It's, if you think it will help your audience, then yeah, I'll be on it. And even if it will help two people, right? I mean, if we had 100 downloads in our first 100 episodes and each of those one people per episode went out and did amazing things with it, it'd be well worth it, you know? And we've had more than that, right? A lot more. A lot more. (laughs) And so I just get excited to think about, you know, I know that these people have impacted others. And I also love that when someone calls me and says, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this issue. Uh, Whatever the issue is, I can say, hey, go listen to this episode. And then then call me back and let's talk about it. And I can get you in touch with whoever it is, knowing that if I, you know, the vast majority of our of our guests, I know I can reach out to tomorrow or today if you called me and said whatever. And I can say, hey, can you get in touch with this person? They really need help on this. And if, you know, most if not all of them would say, yeah, sure. You know, you know, because I, I, they love what they're doing and they see a big part of what they're doing is helping others to do what they're doing better. And that's what I love about this as we can get those people in touch with each other. And I love nothing more than connecting people with resources that will help them to get better. Um, so, so, uh, parting thoughts from you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to end with, as we, I'm going to end this show with a recommendation just because, you know, 
I, I love giving recommendations, and I watched a movie last night that I, I really think is is fitting for what we're doing. And you talk about resiliency. You talk, we talk about redemption. We talk about different things, and it, it was a movie that did that um, for me. But also talks about the issues with relationships with fathers and and you know children who are abandoned in some way. So uh, with that teaser, what what do you got to to wrap it up? I would just follow up and say, um, related to resources to our listeners, don't be afraid to contact us. Uh, For me, especially, if you contact me, don't be afraid to contact me more than once. Um, I tend to be a little bit busy with patients and all of my children and uh, many other things, but I want to hear from you. I'd love to help in any way possible. That doesn't mean that I can get back with you within 24 hours, but um, yeah, reach out, send us emails. We want to help provide resources and to connect you or um, just provide whatever we can. Um, We're not perfect. We don't have all the answers, but we want to be that bridge to connecting you guys to resources. Absolutely. I uh, echo that. And I am going to end this with a recommendation. Many of you may have already seen this movie, but if you haven't, I encourage you to, and and I'm probably going to watch it again because I know I miss stuff in it. it. I can only imagine. Um, the movie about uh, Bart Millard of Mercy Me and his life story, and there's there's abuse in it. There is you know uh, issues with with his relationship with his father. His mother left him, uh, the family early, and and there's reasons for that. And I'm not gonna I'm not putting placing judgment on her in any way by saying that she left the family early on. Um, and it's just the story of how he wrote the song. I can only imagine and how that started the career of Mercy Me. Really. Um, but the reason I recommend it is because it does show redemption. It shows forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, the power of addressing the issues that you have from childhood, addressing the things and, and facing them head on rather than having them impact you and hold you back. Because he heard this, the voice of his father over and over of you can't do it, you can't do it, as opposed to addressing that. And then he, when he, you know, I'm not going to, no spoilers here, but the movie just has so many great messages in it and it's not a cheesy you know oh everything works out in the end type movie although you know it works out pretty well for him but um it was so cool and I watched it with my family and my seven-year-old son was just cuddling up next to me and he was saying things throughout that my wife and I were just looking at each other going where'd that come from but it was things like oh his daddy doesn't understand what he's doing Mm. and it was like whoa where'd that come from? You know, and then having a conversation with my seven year old after and saying, you know, do you feel that ever? He goes, no, daddy, you're, you're doing a good job. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) He goes, you play catch with me. You play tackle, you know, and it was just, but everything that he said was time and just sharing time with my son. And, you know, it's my fifth of five, you know, and that's hard to do that with each kid. And, And it's really hard to do the work. And I just think of all the dads out there and I'm just speaking to you right now. If, it's hard, and I know there's times, and moms as well, I mean, all of us, there's times where we feel like we're just blowing it, and we want to just bail, quite frankly, and go out and whatever, and I just want to encourage you right now to stay the course, and, you know, I think Victor Marx talked about this too, like, you know, if you, what do you say, like, if you've screwed up, blown up, done whatever, you know, stay the course, hang in there, you know, right? Because I think we're all at those, at those points and none of us have done this before, right? You've never raised whatever you have in your house on that day and nobody else in the world has ever done that before. So 
don't get discouraged by somebody else that appears to be doing it better or whatever. Just want to encourage you with that. Hopefully it encourages you. And, um, and go out and check out that movie and, and just, you know, learn from it. Um, whatever God teaches you through it. So as with everything that we're doing on this show, I do pray that same prayer that you, you listen to these things, you, you, you hear what God's sharing through these different people and you take it and you use it every single day of your life to, to love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. And we'll, uh, I look forward to introducing season five in a few weeks from now. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. And for all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.